Good morning. Let me say before I forget that it really, um, I've just had a really good time. Part of that is I get to hang out with some of my friends. But part of that is you guys have been really kind to me just to come up and talk and uh, make me feel welcome. And so thank you guys so much for just letting me be here and uh, listening to me. And um, yeah, just thanks. So this is the last part of our series. And what I want to talk about this morning is uh, appearance. And the question that we're asking, you know, each time we're asking, how does the Lord meet those of us who struggle with depression and anxiety? How does the Lord meet those of us who have a sexually broken story? And this morning what I want to ask is, how does the Lord meet those of us who have difficult, estranged, just hard parents? And what do we do with that? How does he meet those of us whose parent stories are hard? And to do that, I just want to read a short passage from Ephesians 6. Um, so if you have your Bible or if you have your phone, you can turn with me there. Or I think it's on the screen as well. I'm going to read Ephesians 6 <clears throat> through 4. Paul's writing. Here's what he says. He says, Children, <clears throat> obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let me pray for us, and I want to get into parents this morning. Let's pray first. Father, we, we, we call you that. And Lord, it's so easy for me and for us to take for granted um, that because of the work of your son Jesus and the cross for us, that we can call you our father and then we can come, Lord, you tell us in your word, with boldness to your throne of grace to find help in our time of need. And Father, I pray that as we think about our own parents and as we think about those stories, whether, they, whether we really feel disloyal for thinking about them critically, or whether those of us, there's some of us who come this morning who just have devastating relationships with parents who have left, parents who have hurt us in deep ways, um, parents who simply just have not been there for us. I pray that whatever our story is, or I thank you that you know it. I thank you that you have a love for us that brings us into your family for those of us who are in Christ. And Father, I pray that you would, as we think about um, these this relationship, between our us and our parents, that you would be gracious to meet us, reveal yourself to us, and uh, meet us in our time of need with grace, we pray. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, when I, I've mentioned it a couple times, but part of my story is I have a very broken relationship with my dad, and part of that is when I was in seventh grade, I feel like I've said that a lot, like seventh grade, can we just say that Jesus needs to heal all of us from seventh grade? There's a sense in which, you know, I remember coming home from school one day, and this is in the spring of my seventh grade year, and my mom, you know, pulled up to the house. My grandmother had picked me up for the day. My mom was home. She was in, had gone back to school at the time because my dad had left, um, and they were getting a divorce, which I mentioned. But also, my, our pastor's car was there which was, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and this was a rare thing. My pastor never had come to our house. And so I'm, I'm kind of doing that thing where, it's like a, if you've watched mafia movies, that scene where you realize, like, something is about to happen. Like, this is the scene as I'm walking up to my house. Something's not right. I walk in, and 
my pastor and my mom are sitting on the couch, and they say, Sammy, sit down. We have some bad news for you. We want to talk to you about something. And, you know, you just don't know what's coming next. I knew at this point my parents had begun their divorce. My dad had moved into an apartment across town, but I had no idea what really was going on. And my pastor said, I want you to know that we put your dad in a rehab clinic up in the upstate of South Carolina. We did that because your dad has, uh, he's an alcoholic. He's struggled with alcohol his whole life. But also, more recently, he's gotten into crack cocaine. And that addiction has just has, has been devastating. And so we put him in a, in a rehab clinic in the upstate in Anderson, South Carolina. And 12-year-old me is trying to process this. I'll never forget that night my dad called. And just to kind of say, I'm sorry. And I remember having this conversation as he's on the phone. He just begins weeping. I begin weeping because how do you process the loss of a parent relationship? How do you process a dad who you know is probably never coming home? And what I want to do is simply think for a little bit about how weighty, like if we could choose one word to talk about your relationship with both of your parents, your mom and your dad, I think the one word I would choose is simply weighty. There's not a relationship in my life and in your life that is more that shapes you more, that has the potential to hurt you more, that has the potential to bless you more. There's a sense in which when, when, when the Bible begins to talk about our relationship, the relationship between parents and children, it's a weighty, weighty thing. And you get that. Paul brings out this is why this is the first commandment in the Ten Commandments with a promise. It is a weighty, weighty thing. I love the way Michael Chabon is one of my favorite writers, and he, he has this great section in his new book, Telegraph, or recent book, Telegraph Avenue. Here's the way he says it. I love the way he says it. Listen to me. It's a little bit long, but it's worth it. He says, you never, he's talking about, he's, the character has just become a dad, and he's reflecting on what it means to be a dad, and here's what he says. He says, you never get through to the end of being a father. No matter where you stored your mind or how many steps in the series you followed, not even if you died, alive or dead or a thousand miles distant, you were always going to be on the hook for work that was neither a procedure nor a series of steps, but rather something that demanded your full constant attention without necessarily calling, calling on you to do, perform, or say anything at all. An obligation that was more than your money, your body, or your time, a presence neither physical nor measurable by clocks, open-ended, eternal, and invisible. And I love this line like the commitment of gravity to the stars. Our relationship with our parents is a weighty, weighty thing. And I simply want to ask, as we kind of look and think about this passage, and just what the Bible says about us and our parents, just really two things. The first is simply I want to think for a little bit about why our parents are hard. I was going to go with why you hate your parents, but then I thought that might... For some of you, you're like, yes, please, let's make that the point. But then some of you, would that would feel way too disloyal. So let's just go with why your parents are hard. And then secondly, I just want to think about how you begin to love your parents. So first, why your parents are hard. Secondly, how you begin to to love your parents. That's what I want to do this morning. So think first with me for a little bit about why our parents, why your parents are hard. Even if you don't know they're hard. The Bible says they are because they're sinful, broken people. So Paul in this passage gives parents a, a job description, if you've noticed it. He says it's two things, to bring the children up, to bring us up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, I think we can say it like this. To love them like the Lord, but also to be like the Lord in, in their love for us. To love them like the Lord, but also to be like the Lord in their love. Another way to say it is they're called 
to reflect, parents are called to reflect both the action and the character of God. And here's the deal. The best of our parents have fallen short. They have not done their job perfectly. The best of parents have failed in this job description. I love the way that Dan Allender does it. Dan Allender, he's a therapist. He's a um, counselor. He writes books. And he's got this book called How Children Raise Their Parents, which is sort of, you know, it's like a twist. But he has this thing where he says, essentially parents, if we were looking at this passage, we look at what the Bible says, parents essentially are called to answer, that all of us are born asking two questions. Every single one of us in this room is born asking two questions. And here are the two questions. Am I loved? And can I get my own way? All of us are born asking, am I loved? Do you love me? And can I get my own way? And Alan does this thing where he says, there basically are four different ways to answer that all of our parents, here's what you have to see, all of our parents, your parents, have answered whether they know it or not, or you know it or not, they've answered those questions. And there are four different ways to answer it. So let's just think about, there really are four different kinds of parents. Here's the first one he says. They're what we could call yes and yes parents. Yes, you are loved, and yes, you can get your own way. This is what we could call the parents who, who wanted to be our friends too much. The parents who just cannot say no to us because they cannot risk losing what they, what they desperately want, which is our, our affection, our acceptance, our friendship. And if you have a parent like that, you get it's kind of weird. Like on the one hand, you take advantage, like your house was the house where like your friends always came over and maybe your house was the house where like your parents were like serving underage stuff because their parents who were like, they could not say they were, yes, you are loved, but yes, you can get your own way because I cannot bear to disappoint you. Always think about, my, always makes me think about Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. <laughs> this is one of my favorite characters of all time. In that scene where she says, when they meet her for the first time, she says, there are new rules in this house. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. She's got like the crop top. And there's a sense of which some, but some of us have parents that are absolutely like that. They're yes and yes parents. And here, if that's you, here's the deal is you, you know intuitively that they don't really love you. Because to love someone means you, you love to, you know, to love someone means you love them enough to disappoint them. You love them enough to stand in the way when they want things that are, when we want things that are not good for us. But the first way, you know, yes and yes parents, but then we have a second kind of category of parents that Alan or somebody calls no and no parents. No, you're not loved, and no, you can't get your own way. These are the parents that we, if these are your parents, you feel like they're prisoner, which is why you couldn't wait to get to college, or you feel like they're trophy, that they hit the start button and the performance treadmill, and you are, you are absolutely terrified of disappointing them. These are, if these are your parents, they've been cold, they've been strict, but not in a way that is good or loving or life-giving, in a way that's more controlling and fear-mongering. And for some of you, they've been abusive, either verbally abusive, physically abusive. A lot of us in this room have no and no parents, and a lot of us, and the most devastating thing is a lot of us have no and no parents who did it in the name of Christianity who did it in the name of being godly. And there's a sense in which that that is absolutely devastating in the way it shapes us and the way that they relate to us. I think about a friend I had dinner with. This was about two years ago. And she had a a, a parent, a dad that was like this. 
he had a huge temper, and he was always losing that temper in the kids, and yet he could never say anywhere. He never his whole life told his daughter that he loved her. And she was telling me the story where at dinner she was saying this tragedy happened where he was walking out to work one day. He fell in the steps. He hit his head, and he fell into a coma. And she immediately came from Atlanta to South Carolina to, to be with him in the hospital. And she said there was a moment where she was holding, he was unconscious in a coma, she was holding his hand on the bed. And she said, she said, Sammy, the thought that kept running through my mind was, why did you never hold my hand when I was afraid? Why did you never hold my hand? And there's a sense in which that's a lot of our parents. No, you're not loved, and no, you can't get your own way. And then there are no third category of parents. There are no and yes parents. No, you're not loved. Yes, you can get your own way. And this is almost, you know, this if I had to say this was my dad by default, because when my dad left, if a parent leaves, it's almost by default this is the answer, because they're not there. They're not there to say, yes, I, I love you. And by their absence, it's, it's yes, do whatever you want to do. And this is also parents who maybe are there, they stayed, but you're, maybe the parent is an absolute workaholic. Or maybe the parent is, is there, but is emotionally totally absent. And there's a sense in which you long just for them to ask you about how your classes are going. You long for them just to, to sit down with you and to look you in the eyes and just, just care and want to connect with you. It reminds me, one of my favorite films I saw in the last couple of years is um, Spectacular Now. Um, and the character Sutter, he's played by Miles Teller. Um, Sutter has this kind of relationship with his dad. And there's a scene in the movie where Sutter is trying to, he finally track. he can't, he doesn't know where his dad even lives, but he wants to reconnect with him. He finally tracks him down and they set up this visit. And the dad, played by Kyle Chandler, who, if you're a Friday Night Lights fan, go, go easy into this movie because it will give you a different view of, of Coach Eric Taylor, which is probably healthy, right? There's a sense in which Sutter is trying to connect with his dad. He goes, he takes his girlfriend to go connect, and as they show up, they meet, meet his dad in the bar, and his dad just has no interest in spending time with him. And in fact, all his dad can do is he wants to sit and drink, and he wants to chase tail at the bar. And as Sutter wants to kind of go back and spend the night at his dad's place, his dad ends up not coming home. And the result and the impact on Sutter is absolutely devastating. Because it's a yes and no deal. Yes, you're loved, but, or a no and yes deal. No, you're not loved, and yes, you can have your own way. I don't care enough about you to engage and invest in your life. But then Allender says, but this is the kind of parent we want, the fourth category, and the category that we all long for is a parent that says, yes, you are loved, and no, you can't have your own way. That says, yes, I absolutely love and cherish you just for you. Like, I love you, and no, I love you enough to disappoint you. I love you enough. I love you too much to let you get your own way. I love you too much to let you go in ways and, and follow desires that are destructive for you. And, and Allen obviously brings out, and this is the thing, this is the kind of father that God is. This is the way that God loves his children. That he says, yes, you are cherished. I love you. And no, you can't have your own way. And as we think about but the reality is none of our parents do that perfectly. Some of us have parents that they can do that a little bit, but none of our parents do that perfectly. And the reality is, so how do we begin, whatever your parents, wherever they fall into that, in those categories, wherever they fall, how do we begin to love them? Like, how do you begin to love a yes and yes parent? 
How do you begin to love a no and no parent? How do you, how do you begin to love a no and yes parent? How do you begin, how do we begin to love our parents? And I think this is again where we go back to our passage where we're called to some things as well. And I think if you look at it, I think we have to say two things. First, that word obey. Second, that word honor. Honor is the word that we get that is weighty. So we want to treat our parents with weight. Our parent, that relationship is already weighty. But part of what God is saying to us is he calls us to treat it as weighty. There's a sense in which however bad your parents have been, however hard they've been, they will always be your parents. And it is always pleasing to the Lord to treat them and honor them as so. But sometimes what that looks like can be tricky. Because for some of you, you know, this is where this, this word obey is important. Because he says, there's a, a sense in which I think we could say as you get into college, parents should, should move from expecting obedience from you to it hopefully expecting influence. So what do you, but what do you do with a parent who still wants to, you to obey like you're five? How do you honor that parent? And there's a sense in which I think we have, we're entering into the realm of forgiveness. That there's a real sense in which we can't begin to honor if two things aren't happening. First is reflection. Where do my parents fit? But then as we begin to realize where they fit and how they fail, we have to move toward forgiveness. And I don't want this to move too quick because I don't want to undo your parent, your, your mom or dad's story because I know for some of you it's a real, it's a real thing. And, it's, and for some of you it's the struggle of your life. But I think the in the Lord tag is huge here. Because I think part of what Paul is saying is for some of us, we have parents who are not in the Lord. And for some of us, this means not only are they far from the Lord, but for some of us, this means they've hurt us in ways that have been absolutely devastating. And so I want to say really to outset, as we begin to talk about forgiveness, that I really do believe that sometimes forgiveness happens best from afar. There's a sense in which our parents can do things to forfeit a relationship with us. This was one of the most freeing things a counselor ever said to me. We were beginning to process my dad's story, and I always feel guilt. You know, if you're if you have divorced parents, which I assume a lot of us do, part of what's hard about that is you've got like right now we've got like really too many Christmases because we've got Christmas with my wife's family, we've got Christmas with my mom, and then I always feel guilty because my dad kind of gets the short end of the stick. And I was wrestling with this with my counselor, and he kind of says, "See, I want you to understand that there's a real sense in which what by your by your that your dad was the one who left." And in doing that, he really did forfeit his right to a relationship with you. And what was freeing about that for me was then I got to enter into this conversation with the Lord. Is Lord, what do I want that relationship to be? And I can say I can stand before you today and say it's been a good thing. It's, it's helped me actually grieve the loss of what the dad that I wanted him to be, while also moving in love toward a forgiving relationship where I say, yes, you weren't that to me, but also I still want you to be in my life. But I needed the freedom to be able to know that sometimes, though, forgiveness happens best from afar, that there is a way that parents can forfeit their right to a relationship. And this is something I would love for you to work out more. Again, I'm trying to start conversations. This is something I'd love for you to begin to work out more with your interns and campus ministers. But just as we begin to think about the idea of forgiving our parents, we have to understand this, that love, if we're ever going to love them, it has to involve forgiveness, which means we're going to have to deal with what's been hard about them. And for me, this is this always takes me back to a, a moment in Starbucks where I was meeting with a friend just a few years ago, and we were working through my dad's story. And in particular, the way that my dad's story had shaped this, this particular struggle in my life that it's been really hard for me to kind of overcome and get free of. And as we're sitting in Starbucks, he says, Sammy, if you're ever going to kind of move and grow past this hurt, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to, 35-year-old Sammy, we're going to have to take... 12-year-old Sammy by the hand, 
and go back to that moment and look him in the eyes and say, Sammy, dad's not coming home. And like, as he said this to me, like, like tears, I mean, like shot from my, I mean, like I'm in Starbucks and like, I feel like everyone in Starbucks is like, why is this guy crying? Just working out my dad issues, you guys. But it was in that moment where I, it was in that moment where my first thought as I was thinking, we're going to have to go back to 12-year-old Sammy, look him in the eyes and say, I'm not coming home. It was like the Lord was saying, yes, and I want to go with you there. And I want to weep with you there. It always reminds me of the scene in Narnia where Diggory, if you know, the, uh, and Magician's Nephew, where Diggory, he's, his mom is dying, and he longs for Aslan to come and, and save her. And there's that scene where Aslan finally comes, and Diggory, it's a beautiful scene where Diggory says he's, he's looking, and he's looking at Aslan's paws, and he, he looks up into Aslan's face, and he says there was a tear forming, and he says it was as if Aslan was sadder about his mother's death than he was himself. This is where forgiveness begins to happen. Is that in our in the ways that our parents have hurt us, we have to understand that God isn't going to let us just... Some of us, I think, believe, and this is what some of us want Christianity to be. Some of us want Christianity to be a way around the hurt in our lives. Or a way to escape or numb the hurt in our lives. But can I just say, that's not what Jesus is going to do for us. But instead, he's going to lead us to those places where we've experienced hurt, and he's going to lead us in them and through them. And he's going to weep with us in them, and he's going to gently lead us in through them. And that's exactly what he wants to begin to do. Where, how does he meet us? This is exactly where he meets us within our own parents' stories this morning. But here's the reality. is Forgiveness can only really happen, though, if we believe and rest in the truth that the only perfect parent who will ever say, yes, you are loved, and no, you can't have your own way, is God himself. And this is where I think we miss something of the, the full character of who God is. Because why is it that God gave us both mothers and fathers? Because here's the reality of what Scripture says, is that God loves you and affirms you like the best of mothers. There are some images in Scripture that we do not take seriously. Some of those images are God saying... Listen, a nursing mother might forget her infant, but I will never forget you. Another of those images is Jesus, you know, looking at Jerusalem and saying, I long to gather you like a mother hen under my arms. Another is the, the beautiful picture in Zephaniah where God compares himself to a mother singing songs in love over her children. There's a sense in which God loves us. He loves you and me like the best of mothers, but he also loves us and is willing to say no to us like the best of fathers. Where he's, he's willing to say, no, this is not good for you. No, this is not what I want for you. No, I hate this for you. No, God loves us enough to disappoint us. You know, it's funny, anytime I ever go to, to say something like this, that God loves you enough to disappoint you, I always get pushback where I say, is God just mean? But there's a sense in which we intuitively know that, that for someone to love us is, is to stand in the way of us destroying ourselves. And God loves us enough to do that for us. I'll close with this this morning. Uh, there was a moment about four or five years ago where my wife had gone out of town. And she was in a, a RUF wives retreat. 
And so it was me and our three kids at the time. And so, you know, whenever my wife leaves for a conference, I always say, like, there's a sense in which when, when the wife's away, the dad is going to feed the kids like we're in college and we're going to watch a bunch of movies. So we ate a bunch of Papa John's pizza and we watched. I'm telling you, if my wife keeps leaving, we are going to work our way through all of Netflix. And so, but this particular time, we hadn't, neither, all, none of us had seen, my kids had not seen, I had not seen Finding Nemo. So we put in Finding Nemo, and we're all, we're gathered in my bed, we're watching Finding Nemo, and y'all like, I'm watching, and the scene, you know, as I'm watching the movie unfold, I have this thought, as I'm watching this father swim to the farthest seas to bring back his son, I have this thought, and and I begin to cry, because the thought is, Why don't I have a dad like that? I long to have a dad that would heaven and earth to bring me home. And then the second thought as I begin to cry and my kids begin to look at me is simply this. I do have a father like that. I do have a father that literally was willing to move heaven and earth to bring me home. And there's a sense in which you, you will never begin to even be, feel free to be honest about your parents until you know the security of what it means that you've been adopted by God into his family and that he loves you, he loves you, he, he cherishes you. Yes, you are loved, but he loves you enough to say about your life that I'm the king, I'm the Lord, trust me. He loves us enough to disappoint us. And when you begin to rest in the, in the security and the beauty of what it means to belong to him and to be his child, it begins to free us to be honest and to forgive our own parents. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us even today as we drive back, as we go back and take naps, as we go back and to schoolwork. To help us just to take a moment, whether it's tonight on the way home, whether it's tomorrow, sometime this week, just to reflect, to think about our parents, to think about how it is that they've hurt us, but also how it is that we can move in forgiveness and love toward them. Uh, Lord, we need you um, to remind us powerfully this morning that you do, you, you deeply love us. You know the truth about us, you know cable us, and yet you love us. And we are your children. And Lord, you also are committed to us, more than gravity to the stars, to to bring to completion the good work you've started in us. And I pray that we would rest in both of those truths this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.